If you have a long-term plan and you don't believe that people are cogs that are interchangeable, you want them to have be playing the long game with you. And, and encouraging that personal and professional development along the way really requires relationship development. And, and it's something that we can all engage in. It takes time, yes, but the payment is well worth it on the back end. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to HR innovators about all things people leadership. If you're looking for places to find about new ways to think about the world of work, this is the podcast for you. Please subscribe from your favorite podcast listening platform today and leave us a review. Rebel on, HR Rebels. Welcome back, Rebel HR listeners. So excited for the conversation today. Really looking forward to it. With us today, we have Elizabeth Wesley Casella. She is the founder and CEO of L12 Services, a Washington, D.C. firm focused on internal communications and organizational development. She works with businesses to improve workflow, processes, and culture by leveraging the institutional knowledge of existing team members. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. This is the highlight of my week. Well, we are happy to have you with us. I uh, am really excited for the discussion today. Uh, And I told you before we hit record, you know, I'm just going to selfishly ask all the questions that I want answered for my organization. So thank you for uh, thank you for spending the time and and helping Molly and I have the discussion. So with us, we also have Molly Burdess, extremely excited that she is available today with all of the busyness in her life. Uh, Welcome, Molly. Thanks. Happy to be here as well, as always. So uh, I want to start off the conversation by just understanding a little bit more about your background, Elizabeth. So um, obviously you have founded uh, an organization that, that helps HR work through some of the challenges in their organization. What prompted you to found L12 Services? Well, you know, the ability to support both HR and operations has been a a really long-standing passion of mine. I kind of cut my teeth here in D.C. in various associations and nonprofits, and I frequently found myself in that gray space between leadership and the people doing their jobs, translating English to English. It was as though leadership had an idea of the goals they wanted to pursue and would to a certain degree, try and dictate how those goals should be met. And then the people doing the jobs would have a vague idea of what the goals were and have really strong ideas about how those goals should be met. And and none of it really aligned because neither one could see the landmines on the horizon. And I could. So um, I kind of served that purpose in a number of organizations before I decided that maybe this was a a skill set that other organizations and companies around the world needed. I didn't have a familiarity with internal comms at that time, but it turns out that's what I was working toward. But internal comms with more of a, an eye toward improving operations, process, and culture. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think, you know, as I think about you know, my experience here, I went to school for, for business and then kind of fell into HR, um, you know, or as I like to say, HR found me. Um, and then suddenly I was thrust into this role where I was in charge of internal communications. And I, you know, I'm I'm like, I didn't go to school for this. You know, how do I, how do I figure out how to say something, what needs to be said and who needs to hear it and how often and in what medium, you know, all of that, you just, a lot of HR professionals just kind of 
kind of learn by doing. And a lot of us, quite frankly, aren't very good at it. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you for, for lending your expertise and, and kind of helping us uh, stumble through this. As you have done your work and really, you know, kind of invested yourself in, in some of the organizational communication and, um, and internal communications, um, what are some of the areas where you have just seen time and time again uh, there have been uh, issues or there's been mistakes or there's been misperceptions on what good looks like as it relates to internal communications? There are two that I run across all the time. And the first is what you were just talking about, that we're expecting people to wear too many hats. The HR professional is not supposed to be tasked with internal communications. You wouldn't ask them to be tasked with operations, nor would you ask operations to be tasked with internal communications. It's its own entity. And understanding what what um, you want internal communications to look like, meaning if you want it to be all about engagement or if you want it to be about change management or you want it to be about culture, uh, it's important to understand the purpose of the communication transfer as an activity itself. And then the second piece is that I see organizations trying to grapple with the fact that we've had so much change over the last you know, three years um, and, and a really white knuckle grip on what leadership they think should look like, which isn't the real definition of leadership. And what I mean by that is leadership right now, for the most part, believes that they need to have all of the answers. So they, they need to have a wellness program or they need to have, um, you know, community activities or they need to have a certain type of culture. And they're dictating that downstream without the, you know, taking advantage of the huge benefit that they have of the workforce who stayed in place those that are still in their seats that haven't, you know, moved due to our giant attrition bubble um, have a lot of the answers. They can tell you what they need. They can tell you what that wellness program could look like. They can tell you what that culture needs to be adjusted to be. They can tell you where the processes are breaking down and the bottlenecks. Leadership isn't taking advantage of this treasure of information that they have, allowing the staff and the teams to help dictate policy and process moving forward. Instead of having all of the answers, it's a really good idea to start listening. Mm. You know, it's, uh, I love that response. And I think it's really getting at something that I learned really kind of the hard way is, you know, good communication isn't about the right script. <laughs> it's, it's about communication, which is, 360. Uh, you know, it goes both ways. And if you say something and nobody's listening, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you say the wrong thing, it's bad. Uh, and they are listening. <laughs> and everybody and, hears it. <laughs> yeah. And if they feel like you're not listening, then that's almost the worst of all, right? It's like the, then you've lost all your credibility. So, um, so what are some, some strategies or tactics that, that uh, you would recommend us uh, to, to think about uh, for those of us that have to uh, uh, work through this 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 type of approach to to really address you know those issues that you just called out. 
You know, right now we are leveraging a tool that um, can be used in a number of different ways, but the way that we use it at L12 Services, um, it's called the Helix Assessment. And I know people are burned out on assessments and polls, but it's a very short um, multi-question activity that allows you at the end to understand on a scatter plot chart um, the level of burnout among the people within your teams. It kind of gauges you in, in four different quadrants if you think about it in a, a two by two. Um, you know, are you chaos tolerant or are you order tolerant? Like, do you have any more bandwidth to deal with change, basically? And then are you so burnt out on working with teams that you only want to work with, you know, autonomously? Or are you so fried with being tasked with something and having to manage it on your own that you really do need teamwork? So being able to see that visually helps us understand the best ways to communicate with teams. And I would encourage other, you know, if HR is tasked with multiple objectives and, and one of them is internal communications, understanding how to meet your team where they're at, what type of communication will help them best um, is a, a game changer. And if, if you think about it, like think of the scatter chart and somebody in the bottom left corner really wants to work with teams because they're tired of, of managing everything by themselves and they can't deal with any more change. Well, those people may need direct communication, whether it's interviews or town hall style communication. They may need that really, you know, personal, intimate one-on-one um, -on -one environment where they can ask questions in real time and feel as though they're bringing their whole person to the table versus the people on the opposite, you know, upper right side of the chart that may be just fine getting all of their information off of the intranet or via email. And they really, you know, they don't need a lot of handholding and they can be super high touch. Understanding how to communicate with people, where to meet them, where they're at is really a, a great tool um, and an easy way to get, you know, a home run. Now I'm assuming this, this tool is fluid. So the answers could change depending on the time of year, where they're at or what they're doing. So would you do this multiple times? Yes. And, um, it is a tool that is available to everyone, any type of business, um, helixassessment.com, and you will be provided a dashboard where you can deploy the, the assessment several times over any type of population. For a contractor project that we're rolling into, let's say it's 9 to 18 months, we'll do that assessment at the beginning so we know where to capture people immediately. And then through the work that we do, which is very heavy in relationship development, we along the way are moving the needle with the individuals. So we've already engaged them in one-on-one -on -one interviews and we're talking about focus grouping and we're, you know, having town halls about the work that we're, we're providing. So if I'm using it, it's used one way. If you're using it, it can be used in, in a number of different ways that, that support you in your organization. Yeah, I can see that being very helpful for project management, especially. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. The answer is <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's a great call out. And I, you know, to kind of support that with, with a, you know, an example, I think that's one of the things when, 
when COVID hit, you know, we, we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we connect with others? How do we hear what they're doing? You know, how do we kind of gauge employee sentiment? Um, and we started a survey process and <laughs> we did get some feedback like, geez, do I have to fill out this entire survey? You know, but, but the, the, the feedback that we got from it was invaluable because it really helped us understand, okay, where are people at? We sent, we were able to set a baseline for kind of, you know, where, what is current state. And then we were able to actually put some actions in place to address some of that feedback, some of that being communication systems. And, you know, we had to change what we were doing, you know, corporate announcement emails wasn't getting to everybody that needed the information. We had to start doing some town halls. We had to increase, you know, just the frequency of communication in some uh, Mm -hmm. cases. And in some cases we have people who don't sit in front of a computer all day. So how do we communicate to them? Right. You know, and, but we wouldn't have got that feedback if we hadn't actually taken the time to ask. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think, yes, people do get survey fatigue, but that should not cause enough fear that you don't get feedback. <laughs> exactly. And, and the communication that reassures the participants that legs are attached to this activity we're asking you to invest your time in is also invaluable. If, if you're going to spend the time and the, the brain power to answer honestly and thoroughly somebody's survey or poll, having that never be addressed again or talked about or not knowing what's happening with the findings is so frustrating and it, you know, it erodes trust. So you really want to be open about communicating um, why this is happening, what's going to happen with the information afterward. And if there are, critical answers that may not be in alignment with the goals of the organization, addressing why those suggestions won't work, but thanking the individuals or the group for for having put the time in to let everybody know that, that that's a possibility or a desire for the future and looking for ways to, to work toward that. Yeah, I do. I've done a lot of surveys as well. And I think it's so important to get feedback. But for me, what I have found is exactly what you're talking about is it displays what disconnects are out there. So what we're doing as a leadership team did was the perception what we intended it to be or not. And then we can kind of circle back around it and correct that and, and fix that and um reiterate our points and why we did it. And for me, that's what I have found most valuable about these surveys. Well done. I'm glad that you're following up with your people. <laughs> yeah, Molly's good like that. Nice job. <sighs> well, I'm definitely not perfect. I mean, gosh, uh, you guys are talking and I'm just sitting here thinking about how many times I have had somebody ask me, well, where was this or what was this? And I, in my mind, I'm like, did you not read the email I sent out? Did you not get this? But I know that's exactly what you guys are talking about. Like, okay, that means I have to do better at my communication um, and, and be more intentional. Um, but it's really hard to do. And I think all of us in HR can probably relate to that is well, it was in my email I sent last week. <laughs> well, and oftentimes we're thinking about how can I word that better when the answer may actually be, is there a different type of channel? Like some of our, our clients have decided to implement internal podcasts and, and they found that re- since I'm on a podcast, why not talk about podcasts? They found that really a, an effective way to create that intimate communication, that, that level, you know, gauge that level of interest because 
it's not that they're always interviewing the CEO or that it's always about some sort of mass blast organization-wide piece of information. Sometimes what they're doing is gathering the suggestions from the team about areas of interest. Sometimes they deal with the organization. Sometimes they're an external expert. Sometimes they're just about fun and they're helping to support culture. But, you know, being able to understand what your teams will accept as far as a, a channel or a platform for communication is really important. And those, those platform assessments are necessary. And I would suggest doing them now to see what's changed over the transition to remote, then transition to hybrid, and now with the assumption that we're nearing the end of the attrition bubble. Yeah, you know, I've actually thought about that. Like, it, you know, I mean, obviously, I know how to do a podcast. What if I just did one, you know, from from my organization? And we we did talk about. It. We haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, but I will tell people like, if you actually think that that might be an idea that you want to do, um, send me an email. It's it's not that complicated to to do something like that, and you can put it out there on a player. Uh, there's a lot of free programs out there. You could you could get it done, and I bet there's some. Somebody that loves podcasts that has some sort of passion for sound editing in your organization that could, this could be a really cool project for them. Right. So that's a great, great call up. I don't know if I'm going to pull the trigger yet, but uh, you know, I, I will say that it is funny that employees listen to this podcast. So <laughs> I do get that feedback as well as, as well as candidates. So it's been kind of, it's been funny that the, the unintended audience for, for this uh, show, you know, has, has kind of trickled into, uh, my W two life uh, a little bit as well. So anyway, well, I want to be among the first five when you do pull the trigger. All right, all right, perfect, <laughs> perfect. That's a deal. That's a deal. This episode is brought to you by Namely. We all do our best to keep ahead of business trends, but keeping ahead can be its own full time job. With everyone wearing multiple hats, it's easy to fall behind. That's why you need to make the switch to Namely, the all in one HR solution that adapts with your business. Namely helps you and your team with all aspects of HR, from onboarding and performance management to payroll and intuitive benefits enrollment. Whether you have 50 or 1,000 employees, all in one connected and modern platform. Plus, Namely is customizable for your company, culture, and goals, so they can match where you are now and adapt as you grow. Grow with Namely. Learn more about making the switch today by going to my special URL at namely.com slash rebelhr. And for a limited time, get one month free when you make the switch to Namely today. Don't wait. That's Namely.com slash Rebel HR. So what, one of the things I want to dig into, because you, you, know, you really focus on internal communication and you, you also focus on um, attrition and, and reducing you know, some of these challenges. And I think anybody listening to this podcast ha- is struggling with attrition. And if you're not... I want to know who you are and what you're doing <laughs> so that you don't struggle with because we're all looking for answers right now. And I think, you know, there's obviously there's some macroeconomic factors that are, are causing that. There's just not enough people uh, for open jobs. And, you know, we've seen all sorts of different things getting thrown at this, uh, at this problem. So um, I'm curious to get your perspective, you know, as you look at the, the, the world of work today and, and, you know, attrition, uh, in general, you know, what are some of the themes or, or trends that you are seeing out there, um, that we really need to be thinking about how to, how to address? 
Well, it's interesting. Currently, our labor statistics for, you know, people who aren't in the workforce are at the exact same level they were pre-pandemic. What the question is, what changed? Why are we focused on it now? And why does it give us anxiety? Well, it's because the message to business leaders is that the workforce has leverage. They are moving in unison. They had a, a moment where they all tapped into the zeitgeist. And what they're trying to say is we want change. So I think if we back up and look at this from the lens that change is scary and leadership doesn't always know what that change is because right now the messages are muddy. Um, it's understandable that, you know, we're, we're all focused on the great resignation, which, you know, there's only a limited amount of attrition you can possibly have before you hit the end of that bubble. And I think we're getting closer toward the end of that. And then, you know, if I look in my crystal ball, we're going to have probably about a year or so where, um, People are going to try other things if they've decided to try their hand at entrepreneurship. A lot of those people 18 months from now are going to say, wow, business ownership is super hard. It was not what I thought it was going to be. And there's, you know, there is great um, comfort in having a paycheck and, you know, unlimited resources and seeing friends and, you know, not having to worry about funnels and, and all of the things. And there is nothing wrong with having tried your hand at entrepreneurship and going back to the business world because you bring back skills with you. You you learned something during that experience and you can become entrepreneurial in your next workplace. So when I think about attrition and I'm talking to a client, what I'm talking about is it's not the work from home debate, it's not salaries and it's not titles. It's all about does the worker, is the worker able to connect the dots and see their own value as it relates to the goals for the organization? Do they feel heard? Are they working in an environment that there's a, a streamlined, super clear path between them and a success metric? Do they know the five things they're supposed to do every day? And can they tick those off so that every day when they turn off their computer, they're like, yay, I won the day because you layer those successful days on top of each other. And you have someone who's confident and comfortable in their work environment. And that confident person is more likely to display leadership or to have innovative thoughts and, and ideas and share them. So what I'm trying to help a, a, an organization do is create that environment, but I'm using the overall goal of the organization and leadership, and then I'm asking the people who do the work how to get there. What do they need? What do they see? Because their hands are dirty in the work every single day. And what leadership doesn't know because they don't do it every day is that the innovation, innovative solutions to a lot of the challenges and the least expensive way to address the challenges is by asking the people who do the jobs how they'd like to see improvements activated. And, and that allows the people who are in those focus groups and in those um, interviews an opportunity to, to build trust. They, they feel as though the organization is trustworthy because they're asking them for their opinion and they're able to reinvest of themselves in the business. And that's really what you want. If you have a, a long-term plan and you don't believe that people are cogs that are interchangeable, 
you want them to have be playing the long game with you. And, and encouraging that personal and professional development along the way really requires relationship development. And, and it's something that we can all engage in. It takes time, yes, but the payment is well worth it on the back end. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you're saying. And I'm just sitting here thinking, and, and I don't know if you have much to do with this, but how do like annual reviews one-on-ones, how does that come into play here? Because when you're talking about, do you know what your job is? Do you know how it connects to the to the larger business? I think uh, many of us in HR are thinking about reviews and one-on-ones. That's when we should be doing those things, right? Or, or am I completely wrong? Well, you're not completely wrong because in the HR space, that is your job. Those um, you know milestones are what you keep on your calendar. But in between there is a a huge opportunity for management to step in and grease those wheels. And what we recommend is every four to six weeks, everyone sits down with their direct report and talks about anything other than productivity. Unless there's like a, a pressing issue or an actual question, the meetings should be more about getting to know the people who work with you. So we're talking about professional development and personal development and, you know, the assessment of the culture and, you know, trying to absorb any innovative ideas that are coming your way. You, you want your teams to know that by the time the annual review comes around, their manager has had a conversation with HR that says, I know this person. I know what they want to do. I know what they're doing well. And I see them here two years down the line. We can develop this person or this person is a superstar right where they're at. They don't want to be distracted with anything else. Let's reduce the noise around them and let them just run with the ball. That makes perfect sense. You know, one of the things you, you, you touched on um, really resonated with me and that was, kind of the the ability for an employee to understand that they've made a difference today and like you know almost like like have a win for the day right or have a purpose for the day and i've 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 had this uh dialogue with a number of people throughout my career a lot of times in human resources where there's a lack of clarity on um my accomplishments, you know, and so often we get caught up in the the chaos of the day and the firefighting of employee concerns and and positions that are open and turnover and, and, and all sorts of things that it's like some days you just get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, what did I get done today? Like, you know, I felt like I just ran I survived. on a big hamster wheel. Yeah. Is that it? Is that the check the box? But I think it's it's so important. So, it, you know, for the listeners of this podcast, I know many of us have gone through a challenging year. Um, we're probably feeling a little bit burnt out ourselves. You know, I think <laughs> I know many people who are questioning, geez, is HR, you know, do I want to keep doing this for the next 20 years. So, uh, Elizabeth, what, what advice do you have for us in the HR profession as we think about attrition and burnout for ourselves? What are some things that we can do? Uh, to check the box, to find those wins, and to really uh, ensure that we're focused on the purpose that we need to be focused on. Let's start with caretaking. I mean, th- this could be a really long list because I advocate for you HR professionals all the time. But taking care of yourself is really important. And sometimes I run across HR professionals that need to reframe 
what their job is, what their what their um, overall value system is, and say, wait a minute, you are a critical role within your organization, and if you don't take care of yourself, you're not taking care of other people. So reminding yourself that you are a piece of of the puzzle and deserve and require as much caretaking as you're trying to provide other people, you know, support for everyone because it's an ecosystem. We're all interdependent. So please take care of yourself, whether that's a day off or blocking your calendar so that you have more ability to to manage how your time is spent. And then, you know, the other end of the spectrum, which requires a little bit of work and, and kind of spine and gumption is to hold your boundaries. Oftentimes, HR is the place where people are assigned tasks that don't belong there. Because Kyle is really good at his job, we're going to have Kyle do this thing that's the new project or the CEO's, you know, pet idea. Well, you know, internal comms and operations aren't the job of HR. It's not Kyle's job to pick up everything just because he's good at his job. So being able to say, this doesn't fall within my responsibility set, and I am so honored that you think that I'm a superstar, but let's find the right place for this work. Or being able to say, we are doing our best to keep the wheels on this bus, and what we really need is a third party to come in and help us do these focus groups and and create these workflow maps and do the interviewing and assess for chaos tolerance and, and all of the other things allow us to get some support from somebody else so that we can keep doing our job to the best of our ability. Because the bottom line is I want to do a good job for the organization. And if you spread me too thin, I can't. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, one of the best things I think I've ever done in my HR career is with my team, we met quarterly and all we talked about was our successes for that past quarter because just to your point, both of your points, like us in HR, it's often like putting out fires and, you know, focusing on what things need to be improved. And I just don't think HR takes the time to actually like look and think about what was, what have they done that has impacted the success, whether it be I've hired this many people or, you know, I helped this person. And I just think it's, it's so important and we don't do it enough. I think you're absolutely right. And I would encourage you to, <clears throat> excuse me, engage in that more frequently. Um, one of the activities that we often bring to organizations, and, and I would suggest maybe in a, in a departmental scope, um, is something that we call work sprints, where every two weeks or however it fits in best with your calendar, whatever cadence you, you find most effective, um, a two or three hour block that everybody's invited to is Zoom. And it's nothing about monitoring productivity. It's it's not about keeping an eye on anybody. It's an opportunity for everybody to kind of have that collective water cooler workspace. And you start out the meeting by saying, you know, what was your success for the week? And everybody types that in the chat. And you have the ability to have breakout rooms where people can go and work on projects together if they want to. But you just you keep your cameras on, you you can turn off your microphone, you can take calls, you can do whatever kind of work, but everybody's in the same space. And it's amazing how even in a virtual environment, that can create community. 
the ability to just, as you're working, have a thought and think, you know, Molly is really an expert in this area and, and I'm not, maybe we can pull off into a breakout room and, and chat this over or she could mentor me or something like that. But feeling like you're in it together does an enormous amount of, of um, you know, it, it has a lot of support opportunities, but it also creates community beyond team building, which is important. Absolutely. And I think, you know, maybe to put a bow on that conversation, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, hey, we're, we in the HR community, we're all in this together, right? So if you don't have that within your organization, that doesn't mean that you don't have that within the HR community, right? And so, and I think that's really, you know, kind of what we're getting at here is is like we're all here together <laughs> let's let's celebrate those wins together let's support each other together you know our, our jobs are hard but but it's important and, and probably more important now than ever before that we are focused on the right purpose um and that we're not becoming you know closed off or getting so burnt out that we're leaving the professional together because i have seen um many really uh, wonderful HR professionals actually leave <laughs> their jobs, which is a disservice to their organizations and to to uh, to, to society as a whole. So you know we're all in this together, <laughs> is, is what I'm saying. And I think it's you cannot you cannot skip out on the small wins. You have to, even if that's a checklist that says, "Am I still breathing at, at uh, you know five thirty p.m. today?" <laughs> Check, win, win for the day. <laughs> win um, for the day. It matters. <laughs> With that being said, Elizabeth, I wish we had more time uh, to dig into to many more topics. We could probably keep going for a long time, but I do need to shift gears into the Rebel HR flash round. So question number one, where does HR need to rebel? Uh, in creating those boundaries and having those conversations saying that you are spread too thin. Absolutely. I, I think that is, you know, the ability to say no for many of us is hard, right? Yes. But if you say yes to too many things, you will get overwhelmed. That's true. Simple. All right. Question number two, who should we be listening to? Your teams and your staff, they have the answers. They are a goldmine. It's the least expensive, fastest way to solve problems. I kind of set you up for that one. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I ask every guest the same question, but, but you know, that was kind of a softball. So, you know, but nice, nice hit. <laughs> All right, last question. How can our listeners connect with you? I am ubiquitous on LinkedIn. I really don't participate on any of the other social media channels. So LinkedIn and my website, um, my team and I can be found at l12services.com. That's the letter L, number one, number two, services.com. Absolutely. We will have that all in the in the show notes. One call out there on uh, your website, there is actually an attrition assessment that you can you can take, and and uh, you know I, I would encourage you to to take a look at that, think about it, uh, think about this conversation in the context of your organization, um, and don't hesitate to reach out to the to the community as a whole. We're all in this together. So, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. It's just been a wonderful uh, discussion, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. 
Thank you. All right, that does it for the Rebel HR Podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.